Have you ever been in a situation where you're working on one part of your game and another part of your game starts to slack because you haven't been giving it as much attention? Well, that's something that's happened to me a lot lately. I've been working on my form and working on my distance, and therefore my upshots have kind of struggled a little bit. In today's episode, we discuss how you can avoid that and by how in playing in tournaments and taking a step back and reflecting on what you did well and what you didn't do well, you will be able to become a more well-rounded disc golfer. We discuss some awesome experience that we've had in disc golf lately, including the Arrowhead experience as well as a recent tournament that resulted in a podium finish. As well, we talk about why field work is so important and why we are challenging you to do one field work session a month and how that can drastically improve your disc golf game. And if you're like me and you really like disc golf and you really want to perform well in tournaments, you might be doing one thing unintentionally to yourself that is causing you to actually play worse in your tournaments. And by not doing this thing, you can save yourself tons of strokes out on the course and therefore improve your position. If you want to do those things and you want to score better and get more podiums during your tournaments or just beat your friends in those casual rounds and league nights, make sure you stay tuned all the way through the end of the episode to find out what that is and how you can stop doing it to play better. If you missed last week's episode with Lucas Deal, make sure you check it out after this episode to learn how you can become a more accurate disc golfer, as well as you will love our episode that we did a couple weeks ago with Jake Hebenheimer, where he teaches us how we can all improve our putting and how just a little bit of a change will allow for more putts to go in the basket. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening to us from. Our goal is to hit 1,000 YouTube subscribers. So if you could go over to YouTube and hit that subscribe and like button, we would definitely really appreciate that. Make sure the notification bell is turned on because we have new podcasts dropping every Monday, new YouTube videos every single Wednesday. But that's enough chit-chat. Let's get into today's episode right now. Trenton, what's going on, bud? How we doing, man? How was the weekend? Any good disc golfing going on for you? Yeah, man. Had a, uh, first of all, what's happening? Had a great weekend. Went down to Lake Texoma, did a little whoppa fishing, and uh, Max, or what do you call it? Um, we hit a three-man limit on some stripers, and then did that in the morning, and then had some lunch, had me some turkey tacos, don't remember what the place was called, in a town... Really close to Texoma in Texas, and uh, then went and played disc golf at a really fun track. Um, let me look it up what it's called. I should have had this ready. A really awesome course in, it's called Munson Park in Denison, Texas. 4.5 star rating, nice elevation. It's a par, let's see here, 62. A lot of ele- yeah, a lot of elevation change. Uh, it was a great time. Did not shoot as hot, as great as I wanted to, but me and my buddy Josh Olson, shout out to you, had a great time. We tied and uh, yeah. How about yourself? Yeah. Also, I mean, truly, shout out to Josh. Josh, I don't know if you listen to this podcast. You should, but uh, literally, Josh is probably the reason that you and I even know the other person exists. 
because a little little tea for you during the very first tournament of the year at the kickoff here in wichita i was walking back i played with josh i think both rounds and i was walking back towards tournament central with him and he was just you know asking me where i work at and i told him and he said no way i have a buddy who also works there and then we you know introduced ourselves to each other and then eventually we went and played disc golf and uh, hit it off as the as the kids say, but yeah. So shout out to Josh. But yeah, man, I I had a fantastic weekend. I I was exhausted on Sunday night, and, and my fiance really gave me the old, oh really, you're exhausted? You literally got to do everything you wanted this past weekend because I played so much disc golf. I did the Arrowhead Experience up there in KC on Saturday. That was so much fun, and then I played in the Forefathers Fling in Derby, Kansas, and had my best ever result up there so you know super excited where the game is going and just feeling feeling good right now in disc golf man listening to to these guests coming on really does pay off yeah it definitely seems like it i uh i'm on a i'm on a little bit of a streak where i can't we'll play tournaments or anything but all right let's uh let's get into that arrowhead experience a little bit how was that do you have any of the sweet discs handy that you can show off or are they up in the bag somewhere I have the like Emac Truth that I so if you're watching on YouTube, check or if you're not watching on YouTube, go over there and check it out now. And subscribe. This don't is, forget to subscribe. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe. This is the disc that I paid like extra money to get, and it was pretty good. I threw it a couple of times, and every time I threw it, it was awful for me. So that was kind of awkward, but they gave you a Emac judge and a, like a moonshine, maybe not moonshine. I don't remember what they called it. Some sort of fuse. I knew as soon as I heard fuse, I said, wow, that's going to be very flippy. And, uh, so it, it was a ton of fun driving six hours in one day sucks. So I, uh, that, especially with gas prices as high as they are. Oh my goodness. But, uh, it was, it was, it was a blast. Honestly, it was a once in a lifetime experience for me. If you're looking to buy this disc, uh, it could still be for sale. So maybe hit me up on Instagram. I am willing to part ways with this e e custom Emac truth. If you're willing to pay the right price. So yeah, it was a great event. Uh, being able, you know, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, huge Kansas City fan, and being able to be on the literal field that my football team plays on and just like look around and it's so much fun. And, and honestly, one of my favorite parts of the event was being on the field and looking at where my fiance and I sat during the playoff game that we went to and, and the other Chiefs games that we've gone to and just, you know, being able to think of those memories, so much fun. Uh, and, and so really the way it was laid out was you kind of started up like think, think about the stadium in three sections, right? You kind of have your lower level and then your middle level and then the upper deck. So we were started in, at the top of the lower level, if that makes sense, not on the field, but you know, you walk up to where you would walk down we're standing there they had the literal pa announcer there and so he would say your name and where you're from and then you'd tee off so that was really cool the card that i played on was fantastic it was they all knew each other and i was like the odd man out but they never once made myself or my fiance feel like we weren't a part of the group so they, they were awesome uh there was even an fpo world champ on there so that was pretty cool and uh so yeah it was so so much fun there were nine holes. I went six down. 
I won the card. I don't know where I finished. Pretty much when we got done, we just kind of headed out. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have won anything or whatever. I didn't think that nine down was going to be good enough, to be honest. Or, excuse me, six down was going to be good enough to win anything. Um, something that I think I picked up on and maybe not everyone else did was that it was literally useless to throw the fuse, at least for my arm speed. I knew if I threw the fuse, it was going to flip over to the right. Absolutely zero reason to do it. There were three holes where we were throwing down. And so you want to throw something just to touch over stable. The putter was fine enough for me. And you just want to aim down and put a little bit of hyzer on it. And it'll do exactly what you want. If you throw it level, and this goes for anything. If you're throwing a shot downhill, if you aim level... It is going to go way more left than you want it to. So you need to aim a little bit right and aim down so it actually falls to the left and it doesn't just hyzer out really short. So that's a little pro tip for you. And it, when we were playing uh, around the concourse, I never really took the approach of, oh, I'm going to go for the ace. I was like, I'm just going to birdie every single time and feel good about myself. And so I would throw the EMAC judge 50 short and just let it slide on the concrete up to the basket and that was a pretty good strat yeah it sounds like a great time totally wish i could have done it but uh i wouldn't have traded my fishing trip for for anything had a good time with my buddy and his friends i do want to say you used to be a fuse thrower and i used to throw the emac uh truth all over the place and now i mean you didn't throw it at this tournament thing or experience because it doesn't sound like you needed to but uh you have totally switched. I have. I mean, I literally have. I remember, what, four weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, something like, probably closer to four weeks ago. I, you were like, yeah, you were like, uh, you should try the Emac Truth. I think you'd like it and be like, no, not happening. I've tried it before. It sucks. And then I decided to try it, and I was like, wow, this thing's a banger. I, I, and, yeah, I just – I'm fully committed. Get out of my bag, buzz. Get out of my bag, rock. Like, I don't I don't need any of those. The mid-range that I'm picking out is the EMAC Truth. And, yeah, and, and I did have a fuse. My fuse was pretty good. Like, I really did like it for quite a while. And then I don't know if it's it, – it's definitely a me thing. I just kept flipping it over too dang much, and I just couldn't trust it. It went from something that I could trust to be pretty straight, maybe it'll hyzer out at the end, whatever, you know, not a wide variance, and then just, I I can't trust it anymore. I, I, I It'll roll over and just, and I know it's a me thing, but I, yeah, it's just, it's too flippy for what I want to throw. Well, I mean, you've been putting in the work. You've been listening, like you said, to the advice of all these people you talk to on a weekly basis, and your timing's gotten better. The fuse is a great disc, and it's definitely good for beginners, I think. Sounds like you used to throw it all the time, and as you've gotten more powerful, it's now made its way out of the bag. But doesn't mean it's not great. It's definitely a good disc. And, uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to make a comment on that because I'm a huge EMAC Truth guy, and... It's the best mid ever. So, but anyways, this sounds awesome. I wish I could have been there. Arrowhead experience that'd have been sweet. Question: Would you do it again? Honestly, I don't think I would go to a different place. Like, I don't think I would set out to travel to go somewhere else to do it. Maybe if it was baseball fields, I would. I've got this weird thing with baseball fields where my life's goal is to go to every single stadium probably won't happen but 
that would be pretty sick if it did. So because I feel like baseball fields and stadiums are way more unique than football. I feel like football and basketball it's the same thing everywhere you go, where it's literally different dimensions for baseball. Every single park you go to and every park is unique and has different historical factors to it. So yeah. Uh I know like last year they did the Cowboys Stadium and they for DDO they do the Emporia State Stadium and all that stuff. But I think for me, I man, would I do it again? I think, yeah. I mean, it was, I think, 90 bucks to play. I, I got my fiance the $15 family pass so she could get in the door and walk with me. I think she would have played if it wasn't $90, and she had said that as well. I think if it was closer to, like, $50, she would have paid, uh, or played, sorry. And we each got a beer, and they were it was, like, 30 bucks for two beers. But they were big boys, so it was, it was worth it um disclaimer disclaimer quentin is the cheapest human being you'll ever meet okay continue that is that is so true like like yeah it's a problem i have i'm sorry but uh but that doesn't mean like like when i do something like i want my quality to be as good as it can like i want there to be when i spend the money i want to get the value out of it right so like we currently are transitioning to making our own merch and stuff and so I know I'm going to choose the highest quality products and I'm willing to pay that price for those because I don't want to put out something that's a bad product. Uh, and that's why we want to, you know, that's why the Patreon's important because the more Patreon support we get over there, then we can use those funds to get better mics, get better cameras, get better equipment, pay the bills that we have every month, those kinds of things. So like, yes, that's all fine and dandy, but like when it comes to me personally and like spending my own money on things, yes, I definitely definitely am going to err on the side of being cheaper, especially just with the way that everything is right now. That's just my outlook. And I've got a lot going on that I need to make sure I take care of. Um, so yes, it's one of those things where I had fun. I would probably do it again, even if it was $90 to play again, I would definitely, I would probably do it again just because it's that it's the, I am standing on the field at Arrowhead right now. Like, this is so cool. How many people can say that? Sure, everyone that's there can, but, like, none of my buddies from high school and college will ever stand on Arrowhead. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where it's just so cool. It's so surreal to be like, this is really where it happens. I get so mad on Sundays for this. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't I would do it again. Yeah. Cool. Heck, yeah. Yeah, it looked pretty sweet. It looked like you guys got to – my brother-in-law was there, too. Shout out to Dylan um i don't know if you listen to this but you definitely should just like josh anyways he shot me some uh snapchats and whatnot it looked like you guys were you know walking through all the you got like a little tour and you got to play on the concourse and mm -hmm. i mean send them to me I'll, I'll see if i can throw them up on the screen if you're watching on youtube just another reason to head over there also another reason to head over there is we put out a new video every wednesday so we've got a fun videos coming out every Wednesday. I think by the time you guys are listening to this, the latest one is going to be a three disc challenge one. The one before that was a lose a mold challenge. And Trenton, what do we have when they're listening to this? What's going to be Wednesday's video? Either, either Emac truth challenge or something we record this week. So, yeah. So but, check it out. Definitely and, go over there and go ahead. I was just going to say, we're dropping tutorial stuff, uh, little quick tips we learned from, you know, our interviews and 
And, uh, yeah, if you got any ideas, which I think where you were going next, if you have any content ideas, make sure you shoot us a message on Instagram. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit us with a comment down below. And, uh, I mean, shoot, if you leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, let us know there as well. That'd be that'd be helpful. Anything helps. We're trying to make what you guys want to see. So Exactly. And the goal for us is to really get to that thousand subscriber mark. And we continue to get closer every single day. Maybe we'll definitely do a giveaway when we get there. So like Trenton said, we want to make the content that you guys want to see, not only for the podcast, but for YouTube. And once we get to a thousand and you know more of you guys are interested in that stuff, that then tells us, hey, let's put more videos out, right? So if you like the podcast, if you like the Wednesday video, you know, your support over there, leaving likes on these videos, commenting, those kinds of things lead us to being like, hey, Trenton and I will talk and be like, maybe we should put out a third video on Friday. So, you know, that's definitely something that is on our mind and something we want to do. I think that's all kind of the the housekeeping we got. Let's get into some more nitty gritty here. And so we're going to talk about key takeaways from my tournament as well. So I want to talk about some key takeaways from your, just your round because there were positives and negatives. And I think it's, and this is something we do pretty much every time that we have a tournament is it's good to reflect on what happened in your tournament, what things went well, what things didn't go so well. And being honest with yourself allows you to get better, allows you to listen to this podcast a different way maybe you hear some new advice maybe you go back to an episode you thought you were cool on and you go listen to it again because you need the refresher on those tips so i want to start with you trenton what were some things that went well during your rounds and it doesn't just doesn't have to be this last one you played just over the last couple weeks what are some things that are going really good for you and some things that you need to improve on i'll start off with the uh with the good i have picked up a now i'm I have been throwing fairway drivers and a wraith forehand every once in a while, basically, and and my Emac Truth, basically, for the last six months, I would say, and uh, I picked up my I don't have it I don't have it down here and I don't have one down here, but I picked up my trespass. I had one trespass in my bag, and I started picking that baby up, and it has became if I need distance backhand, it has became what I throw. I get a nice which is it's a 12 speed disc but i get a nice and that's kind of where the speed thing came in but anyways i get a nice if i throw it on a little bit of a hyzer it it does a nice flip up to flat maybe turns over a tiny bit and then generally finishes perfectly straight but the key for me is it's getting more distance than i've ever gotten um backhand wise now i've been able to throw a forehand pretty far for a long time never really I mean, it's like 50-50 accurate. My backhand is becoming the most accurate shot for me. And I'm starting to finally see some distance. And that has been absolutely phenomenal. Another thing that I've been working on a lot is putting. Um, I've always been pretty decent. um, But I think I continue to get better and better. And then my... Real quick, real quick, real quick. I want to cut you off for putting. What has been a thing that you've added to your putting routine at home that has helped your putting game wink wink the tool i've gotten is the uh disc dot which as you guys probably have heard if you listen to us we are sponsored by disc dot but anyways you can pick yourself up um one two three four however many you want use code clankers that helps us out um and get you 10 percent off but um they have been an amazing tool gives you something to um look at and aim at while you're while you're practicing and 
I mean, you don't have to put it right dead center pole. I know I aim at the pole a lot, but you can kind of move them around depending on where you're shooting from. So like for me, when I start to get 25, 30 feet out or deeper, I need to aim a little bit more left because my Emac judge, the amount of spin I put on it, um, sometimes, or not sometimes, most of the time when I'm that far away, it usually kind of fades to the right a little bit and then finishes left. So I have to aim a little bit more left. So that's a cool tool. You can put it wherever you need to aim. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been a game changer. And then another thing, quick other putting tip, focus, like he been, like Jake Hebenheimer said, focus on what you're doing when you're throwing your putt, not where the disc goes. And I think you'll, you'll see big improvements, but yeah, man, been working on my putting a lot. Distot's been very helpful. And, uh, so that's been a nice, a nice little change up. But then the other thing in my game that's been going well, I'm giving you three is my upshot game. I basically feel like I can hit 150 on closer. I'm feeling really confident with the justice right now. I usually do a forehand, but I, I, be, I can even do like a spike hyzer backhand and it's, it's generally pretty close to where I want it, so I'm loving it right now. And talk to me about some things that are not going so well in your game. What are you reflecting on and trying to improve right now? Yeah, so things that are not going well, I struggle with mental – I struggle mentally, man. If I We've talked about it a few times in the podcast, but if I miss my first or my first few putts – it's usually not the first putt. If I miss like the first three or four putts – um, I get this stupid, you know, thing in my head that just pesters me the whole round and then I lose all my confidence and I just need to work on, uh, what Gavin Babcock said, you know, think of happy thoughts or taking something out of the cookie jar or taking your happy thoughts out of the cookie jar or however he worded it. Um, and I need to just focus on, you know, Pretend I am in my garage just practicing like I always do or in my backyard or wherever my basket is when I'm practicing. But I just need to imagine I'm at home practicing because I know I can make the putt. I feel really good about 20. I feel really good 20 feet and in, and I feel pretty good 20 to 30 feet. But I don't know. It's a weird It's a weird mental thing. And then every once in a while, if, if the putting's not going well, it's all mental. But if the putting's not going well and then I, I get a rough hole and then I kind of blow up instead of instead of just taking a bogey, I turn it into a double or something silly. So, which is kind of funny to me at least because I know when we're playing together and I see you lining up literally any putt where you can attack the basket, I'm like this is going in. This this dude's on fire because I definitely can tell that since you've gotten your disc dot, your putting has significantly gotten better and more consistent and you're hitting more spots. And something that I think is important is really truly and and i know we say it and it's easy to say and harder to do but focusing in on the dot it 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 sounds so easy to do but if you take everything out of your mind and the only thing you stare at is that disc dot more times than not you're going to hit the dot and then your mind is just it i don't know how to explain it but it's like it's there when you're putting in in you know an actual round. I, I, I really don't know how to explain it other than like your mind has just been trained to do it. So yeah, I, I, I think your putting definitely has gotten a lot better. And so if I'm going to now kind of hijack this monologue and I'm going to talk about my tournament, the forefathers fling awesome tournament. 
really, really well ran for sure. Shout out to Lucas Deal, who was our last guest. And then what did we say? We, we were talking about manifesting something good. And he said, oh, I just I hope I can shoot six down and be on the podium. No, Lucas won the event back to back to back W's for this dude. So this dude is on absolute fire right now. Shout out to Lucas. Awesome guy. Won it in a playoff. So really, really cool for him. And so for myself personally, first round, uh, I've noticed something is my first round is a little bit slower than my second round. And I think I shot something like 904 to 911-ish rated in the first round. I ended up plus two and... I was feeling not so bad, actually, you know, when I saw it was a 900 rated, I mean, typically my first rounds have been somewhere in like the 870s, 880s, and this is a difficult course, the last time that I played a tournament at this course, I didn't come back for the second round, and I think I finished like plus... 15 or or worse no 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 no. it definitely it was in the plus 20s or something like that uh because on hole 18 i took like a like a plus six or something like that it was very bad which hole 18 hole 18 is like a 500 foot 20 20 yard wide tunnel basically is it 20 yards? Yeah, I would say closer to 30 yards. Or wait, timeout. Sorry, 30 feet. So 10 yards. Yeah, I'd say 10 yards wide. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a monster. It's brutal, you know, especially because if you get outside of the row of trees, it's very difficult to get back in without pitching in. And so back then what happened to me was I got on the right side, which arguably is the worst side. And I kept seeing like three inch gaps. And I was like, yeah, I can make that gap. And I never made that gap and it was not good but that was that was year and a half two years ago whatever it was so my game's obviously grown a lot since then and going back here having this first round uh the very first hole i got a birdie and i was like dude i am feeling it then the second hole i got a bogey and i said damn i should have gone birdie birdie so that's pretty annoying um, and, and it's just those jitters. I don't know what it is. And it's something that I'm definitely still struggling with is that I just can't calm down during that first round. And then I go eat some lunch and come back for the second round. And I'm just like floating. I can't, I can't explain it. It's completely different. And so that's definitely something that I am trying to work on and get past. Absolutely. So I would say that first round really, I wasn't playing my best, you know, just a little jittery. Couldn't really feel like I could put everything on the disc and trust it. Uh, I probably had six or seven circle two putts that I hit cage or I hit band. And that completely turns around the round. You know, I finished plus two. If I hit half, if I hit less than half of those, I think it was seven. So if I hit three of them, then I'm minus one for the round and I'm walking away being like, heck yeah, dude, this was, this was great. And so, okay, you're not going to hit all your circle two putts. I would have liked to have seen one or two go down, but the big improvement for me here compared to my last tournament is I wasn't ever scared to putt. And when I was going for these circle two putts, at least I was hitting cage or band. So it was a tap in par. It wasn't like I was then having to shoot a 20-footer to save my par because I know that's going to make me more nervous and more likely to miss those. So I would rather hit the cage 
then hit nothing. And I, I think everyone would agree with me there, but I, I definitely know that that's something I can improve. And, you know, you and I, we had talked about it and, and I'll kind of spoil it a little bit here, I guess, is that I, I got a podium. I finished third and I was two back of first, I think is what it ended up being. I think, I think he finished even and I finished at plus two. So I shot, I shot even on the second round and I was telling Trenton this and I, I really, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, I didn't play my best disc golf overall on hole 17. I took a double bogey both times. I bogeyed a couple on hole one or on round one that I was able to clean up in round two. And thus then I was able to turn those bogeys into pars, a couple of those pars into birdies. Did I have a couple of, I had one birdie that I turned into a par that should have been a birdie. I just Missed the putt low. That was annoying. That was the only circle one putt I missed the entire event though. So I'll take that. That's pretty good. So very happy with that. And I know that I probably left 10 strokes or more out there. So I know there's more to get. If I'm finding myself in a situation where it's like, dang, I really played my best and I still lost by two, man, that hurts. But I know that if I played my apps, if I, if I hit all my circle two putts and I'm not even going to take away my other bogeys. I'm just taking away my two double bogeys. I win by six or eight strokes. Like, that that's a huge difference. The ceiling is so much higher. So super pumped about that. I know there's more in the tank and I know things I can work on. One of the big things that I can work on is my approach game. I have found that when I'm in situations where it's not suitable for me to go with a jump putt or it's too tight for me to trust going for the basket or you know, I don't know just my approaches have not been great I've been feeling with my justice I either saw it off way too early or I throw it way far past the basket so that's something I'm still I think that just basic hyzer forehand is something I struggle with because I'm used to always having to put a little bit of flat or ante on it so I don't know when to trust my ankle and how far to turn my body to the left to throw it on that hyzer for it to come in perfectly. So that's something I need to continue to work on. Something also I need to continue to work on is my Berg approaches. I feel as though there were a couple of points where I pulled out the Berg and it was the wrong selection and I should have gone with something with more glide than the Berg or I know that I naturally throw with Anheuser or naturally aim a little bit more right and I don't trust myself to point left because I've, I, I'm used to sawing it off or coming out earlier or whatever and I don't want to take that risk. But I have to know with the Berg, it's going to go super straight. So if I'm aiming right, it's going to go on a straight line to the right and it's going to hit, it's going to hit something. So, and this is a course that's pretty wooded. I mean, this is what the second most woods course in the area other than Colwich and Colwich West. Yeah. So it's got a ton of woods. So it's not like you can just throw big bombs out there the whole time. You have to be, you have to have finesse. You have to throw things with intent and you have to throw them far while not throwing them super high. And so if you want to learn how to do those things, definitely check out our last episode with Lucas Steele. He teaches us how to be more accurate disc golfers and he just won another event. So I'd go check it out if I were you. Yeah, he's uh he's on a he's on a heater three three in a row right now, but no, he's I want to balls back right now, bro. He no, has balls no doubt. back. No doubt, he's he's is he heating up or is he on fire? 
He's on fire. He's on fire. Yeah. Once you get two, you're heating, you're up. heating up. Yeah. And then once you hit three, it's balls back and you're on fire. Bang. We should do a if play disc the golf. if you play the pong, <laughs> you know what we're talking yes, about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you're underage, don't worry about it. You can play pong and be underage. Have you ever played have you ever played beer pong with actual beer? I've only played with water. That's how you play it with actual beer. I know it's kind of gross. I mean, yeah, that's that's how, that's how that's how you actually play it. But we yeah, I've literally only played it with water and then you're just drinking based off hits. Or you're just casually drinking while you play. But so what do you what do I mean, sounds like we're gonna need to hit some hit some field work and instead of just trying to throw bombs, we need to work on upshots. Yep, absolutely. And that's something that if you go back and listen to prior episodes, if you've been a longtime listener of ours, which we definitely appreciate, you know, I said this year, I need to get out in the field. I cannot just only play rounds this year. I need to be doing field work. And so, you know, I've got some time coming up, hopefully that I might be able to get out into the field. Uh, it's been raining the last couple of days, so that's going to make it a little bit more difficult. But I, I, I need to hit the field consistently. I need to try to go once every two weeks, if not more often than that, because that's going to keep the form in check. That's going to keep everything looking good, feeling fresh. And it's not smart to always play rounds. It's just not because you're going to get used to, well, this hole is only 280. So I only need to throw 280. You know what I'm saying? Or it doesn't matter how I get there. I just have to get there. So when you work on your form, when you go to the field, you actually improve more in my opinion than just playing rounds. And honestly, I'm not a big practice round before the tournament kind of guy. So definitely the more field work, the better for my game. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are the same way as you and me. I I definitely tell myself all the time I need to get out to the field and end up not going. And every time I go, I walk away learning two, three, four, sometimes even five things or figuring out like, wow, that felt kind of weird. I tried, you know, something a little bit differently and it felt great. So, you know, whatever it might be, every time I've gone to the field, it's been fantastic and I learned something. So you're not alone if you're struggling to go all the time or go once a week, once every two weeks. But the more you can do it, I promise you, you'll get better. And and I challenge, go once, once a month. Don't don't put too much pressure on yourself. Literally try it once a month. If you've never done field work, we have some episodes on field work. Check it out. But literally go once a month. That's what I'm asking because I don't know about you, but like I think, it, I man, I love this feeling. But every like three months, I look back at my game and I'm like, what was I doing? How, what was I, what was I thinking? And the field work just helps me get past those and being like, everything just feels so much better. And anytime I get in a rut, I just hit the field until I'm out of that rut and it, it's better. So yeah, I'm a big proponent of it. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's, it's a game changer. So get out in the field, throw some discs, go with the purpose. Don't always just try to throw as far as you can. Try to work on something, take your camera or your phone and uh, watch yourself back and you'll learn a ton of things but yeah man so the derby tournament you got a third place finish heck yeah let's get a round of applause up in here First nicely done podium. felt nicely good done. and and the funny thing was okay i'll be honest there's a time for third but my name was listed first so i got third uh and i went into the last hole and and i i told you all i'm not checking scores I didn't check scores. I didn't look at my score one time. Anytime somebody started talking about scores, I literally walked away from the card. I didn't want to hear it. And the one time I heard it, I went past the Mando and yeah, so annoying. But I can't I can't be a prick and be like, no, you can't talk about scores with me here. So I 
I'll walk away. Uh, I just was still, unfortunately, still an earshot and it got to my head. But with that being said, uh, I did not look at scores. And on the very last hole, I pretty much went for the ace run because I was like, whatever, I'm not going to win. I don't know. I literally had no clue where I was at. I think I put myself 12, 15-ish away, kind of sort of behind a tree. I had no clue that I needed to hit this birdie to get that tied for third and to be in you know third place because I was in fifth. And so I hit the birdie. I, and then what the guy who was king with scores like dude that was clutch and i had no clue and then i looked at it and i said that was clutch let's go so yeah i'm a big proponent man don't don't look at your score it doesn't matter just go out and play your game it's only going to get in your head unless unless you are a a high level advanced player like you're lucas deal or you're an mpo fpo player don't look at the score. It is only going to get in your head. There is no way you looking at the score is going to make you better. I don't care how good you think you are. It's not going to make you better. You're going to put unnecessary pressure on yourself. And then if you don't succeed, if you don't get the outcome you desire, you're only going to be mad and you're going to be more frustrated at, about the event and about your game. And you might just burn yourself out quicker. So don't look at the score. It's not worth it. I'm going to have to agree with you because even in like casual rounds with just you and me or with my buddy or whatever, I'm always offering to keep score. I, I kind of like to see where I'm at. And I think, I think there's, a, there's something to be said about the un it's unintended pressure that you just put on yourself. And I think I do it even just, I mean, I'm a competitive person, so I think I do it in just casual rounds. I think, I think looking back, it, I mean, it's not a good excuse, but it's a, I think there was probably a little bit of pressure on myself. I put, unintended pressure on myself to try to beat my buddy at this on Friday. And then I ended up taking a six on a part on probably the easiest part three on the course and, uh, ended up tying with him, which is fine. But yeah, man, I think that's a, that's a good point, but it's hard because for me, I like to keep score. And then in the tournament, and, and I get that. I get that. But like, for me, like I, every time I, I am keeping a U disc round, I've had experiences where, the scores just don't match up at the end. So whomever is keeping score, preferably not me, I'm going to keep score on I'm going to keep my own score on my watch and just confirm that we have strokes correct at the end. And I don't pay attention to the plus minus. I don't the strokes. I literally go in, I tap, I hit the 3 or hopefully the 2, hopefully not the 4, and I swipe it and I I look away. I I'm not actively counting my strokes in my head i'm not doing any of that stuff i'm keeping it so i know it's legit and it's and every everything is correct for myself but i i'm not paying attention there's no reason to pay attention you're putting unnecessary pressure on yourself i like it i'm gonna try it next next tournament i play in which will probably be in a month or two i'm gonna try it and not offer to keep score for the card and uh see how it works and i'm not i'm not saying don't be that guy who's like, no, I'm not going to keep score, which I know I'm kind of bad about doing that. I'm never going to raise my hand and be like, I want to keep score. So I'm going to, I'll be honest. I, I will be honest. I will never be the guy who stands up and is like, yes, I'll keep score for the card. Maybe I'm a bad person for that. Roast me in the comments. Tell me I suck or whatever. I know there's that one listener who always likes to tell me I suck every like three months. I haven't heard from you in a while. So let me know. But uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. Don't pay attention to your score. That's all I have. Just go off vibes. I'm gonna give it a shot. Is was the point of what I was saying. I wanna I wanna try that out. See if I can. Who knows? I might not notice a difference, and it might not matter because everyone's different. But 
who knows? I might have the best round of my life. So we'll see. So what did you do, if anything, to prepare yourself for this tournament? Great question. Absolutely nothing. That's that's not true. But I, I didn't play a single practice round. I've played derby enough. I know what the course is. I have a rough mindset of what it's going to look like. I can mentally tell you what every single hole looks like, and that's good enough for me. I'm cool playing a mental round, kind of like Jake Hebenheimer was talking about. I can play a mental round, think about where the tee is, think about where the basket is, think about what I want to throw, and imagine it going correctly for me. Imagine that positive outcome, what the what the good outcome is. I don't need to go there and play the round on courses that I've played and I can tell you from memory what each pin location looks like because all I'm going to do is add unnecessary pressure. Let's say I go out there and I shoot a five down and then the first hole I get to that I birdied three times in practice rounds, I get a par, I'm going to be pissed and I'm going to be mad and it's just going to build. The cycle is going to be bad. So for some people, playing those practice rounds are great and I'm not going to discourage you about that. But I know for myself personally, I will be frustrated if I get a birdie on a hole every time in practice and then it doesn't happen in the tournament. I also know that I'm going to play differently in the tournament than I am in practice. I cannot replicate that by myself out there. So maybe league would be a good way to practice for me personally, but I know that I will play the mental round. And when I get there, I'll probably play, I don't know, five, six, seven holes and throw a couple shots on each one of them. The ones that maybe I'm not feeling too good about just to warm my body up, make some, make a couple putts and you know, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I'm not, I'm trying to take as much of that mental load off and trying to get rid of expectations, trying to get rid of pressure. Cause at the end of the day, we're out there for fun. Like 99% of us tapping into this podcast right now are not going to be Paul Macbeth as much as we want to, like, it's not going to happen. So I want to enjoy the time that I have out there. I want to be competitive. I want to win. I want to be the best disc golfer I can be. And I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast agree with that. They want to be the best disc golfer they can be. That's why they subscribe. And I know that if I put unnecessary pressure on myself, I can't be the best disc golfer I am. I'm at my best when there's not a single thought going on in my head and I'm just there. Man, I've said it like 20 times this episode, but you're opening my eyes to some new stuff that I never really think about with the whole practice round thing and putting unintentional pressure, kind of like you said, or subconscious pressure on your own on your own throws. Because I can think of, I mean, every tournament at Oak, it's like, okay, cool. Hole one through four, you should birdie. And how many times have I, bir- I mean, realistically, if you do that, you're you're competing. You're in contention. Absolutely. Very good chance. Basically, those are the four holes that are most gettable, in my opinion, from the short pads, I should say. But short, if they're short to short, yeah, you should get. You should go four for four. Yeah. So so it when should you be play like reds or blues, there. right? You should get. I don't remember which if it's red or blue, but regardless, you, you local Wichita people will know what I'm talking about. Those four holes, I generally play pretty well when I'm just out there having fun with my buddies or in a practice round because I've, I've shot practice rounds there because we have a tournament, you know, Saturday, go out Wednesday or Thursday. And I think out of the uh, four, no, six tournament rounds I've played at Oak, 
I think I've birdied. I think I've gotten two birdies, if I'm recollecting correctly, out of those four holes in the sixth round. So that is, I don't even want to do math right now, but that is horrible odds. And I probably get two or three birdies, not every time I play casually, but I at least get one of them every time I play casually. So that's a a good point because I do beat myself up a little bit. So interesting. And the thing is, like we we talked about it today for this next tournament that I have coming up, the Doodah, it's two rounds at Oak, two rounds at Herman. I have not played Herman in two years. I could not tell you what a single hole at Herman looks like. So yeah, I'm gonna go do a practice round or two at Herman just so I know what the holes look like and I physically know where I'm throwing the disc towards. But that's it. I'm I'm like my last practice round is gonna be like the Monday before the tournament. I'm not going back there after that. I don't need to play Oak before that. I know what Oak looks like. It's, oh, they move the pins to a different location. When I step up to the T-pad, it's the same thing. I've played that location before. So for me personally, I know I don't need to do those things. If you're going to a tournament and you haven't played that course or you don't know what that course even looks like, you need to A, do the Ron Converse tip that we got and walk the course backwards, and B, Maybe go get a single practice round, maybe two if you need it, to know where the holes are so the day before you can play that mental round and envision yourself having success there instead of going there, playing the best potentially that you'll ever play there, and then beating yourself up on tournament day and then never being able to mentally get over it. Yeah, these are some great tips, I think, for for anyone who is, I don't know, like me, <laughs> Uh, wondering why you kind of struggle when you, when you play tournament rounds and, or even league rounds or even any rounds, like if you go play by yourself and you, you feel like you're feeling good. And then the second you go play with your buddies or you take your significant other out there cause you want to show off or whatever it might be, you show up and you, you kind of struggle on a couple holes you don't normally struggle on. And then you're trying to tell yourself to be confident, be positive, and act like no one's here and just play the game, and then you still struggle throughout the round. And I think a lot of it's got to do with this unintended pressure that we put on ourselves to be better. And, man, I'm learning something every day. Even when I'm talking to my buddy Quentin just on the Chain Clankers podcast, and we don't have a professional on here telling us how to get better. I mean, that's the point. That's the point, and that's why that's why subscribing is valuable. We don't always have to have a guest in order to get some sort of value out of this episode, right? There's no reason, and, and this happens with everything in life. We put unintended pressure on ourselves in our finances, in our house, in our car, in our job, everything that we do, we put unintended pressure on ourselves. So we need to find a way to alleviate that because if we don't and we go to tournaments, and this happened to me when I was you know, first year playing disc golf, I'd go to tournaments, I'd play st- 10 strokes plus worse than I would during my practice rounds. And I would walk away from that tournament being like, this was a waste of my money and a waste of my time. I'm never playing. I'm never playing a tournament again. And that's not the outcome you want to have. And and something else that I'll, I'll say about it is that, and I'm not calling nobody out or nothing, but I saw pure anger and frustration in giving up this past weekend. And that's something I never want to do. And I know that a year ago, two years ago, I was capable of that. And even when I play casual rounds, I don't want to be that guy. 
Like the last time that you and I played a casual round, we said we literally all put our hands in together before we got started, and we said no bad vibes or whatever we it said was. Positive vibes or something positive silly vibes. like that. Yeah. We did a little something break. like that. Like I don't want to be negative on the course. I don't want to be angry on the course. I don't want to have a bad experience. I don't want to be like I can't fight from this. I don't want to let what's happening to me get me down to a point in which I give up because I saw that and it's not fun to play with when that happens to somebody. You feel kind of bad for them and it just it brings down everyone's vibe and and it's something that I saw and I, I don't want to do that. As you guys know, we have been putting out questions for episodes and so we did that again and so we got a couple of them here and so we'll just go through them real quick uh let's say let's just do the top three since we're getting a little bit long on time and there's one more segment after this it's not going to take a whole lot of time but i just want to do it because it's it's hot and spicy so first question we have coming from fleming 186160 do you straddle or stagger putt Definitely stagger putt 95% of the time. The only time I will straddle is when I'm behind a tree or a bush or whatever it might be and I need to. Or I'm, you know, for, there's some, some reason I can't uh, stagger putt. And the main reason being I don't practice it enough and I'm not as confident with it. So there's another takeaway to work on it a little bit more. I just putt a lot better in a stagger putt and... I have transitioned from both and like when I very first started, I think I was straddle and then I went to staggered and I went back to straddle. Then I went back to staggered. And then for like two weeks, uh, Horatio saw me really go in on, on the straddle and we were playing around and I missed a putt to win it in doubles. Just, it was my buddy and I against his buddy and, and him. And I missed a putt to win it from like 15 and we ended up tying and I was so pissed at myself that I said, I'm going back to staggered. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, but I still do practice it a lot because I know it's going to come out and it's worth putting in time. So I, 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 it'll be like maybe 10, 15% of my putting practice, but I still do it. So that way the motion is down and, and I can hit those when needed. Right. I think, uh, I think I do practice it too. I should say, I should say that I probably, yeah, probably like, if I'm putting 200 times, I probably do like 30 or 40 straddle putts. Next question comes in from uh, Sean Glado. I probably mispronounced that because I physically cannot read. I'm incapable. Did you see the new cool, the cool new destroyers and wraith designs? Have you seen those, Trenton? I have not. I mean, if he's talking about the Heimberg uh, Halo, I did see that one, and I did like what they did with the plastic. But no, I'm a big Wraith fan, so I might have to check that out. I did not see the Wraith. I probably haven't seen either, to be honest with you. Last question we got comes from Chris Com 2. Do urban slash DD arrowhead experience type of courses have a place on the Disc Golf Pro Tour in the future or just novelty? I think that's a really good question. I think the answer is no, it does not have a place on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, unfortunately. I would have to agree. The only way it would... They would have to, I mean, obviously the, the, the Arrowhead experience was designed for everyone to have a good time and not be too challenged. The only way it would 
there would have to be like a modified champion level course and to be realistic there's probably not enough room definitely not at stadiums especially you wouldn't I be able to make, i don't think there's enough room you wouldn't be able to make them hard enough without putting like you throw from right oh right field you throw from the you know the south end zone up to the third deck in the back of the concourse or something silly like that so yeah definitely not but i mean an urban style course like 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 f isn't f1 in a town how does f1 races happen well not, are it, they on a track depends. or are they like through town like it f1 depends. version there's, of there's, disc golf there's street circuits and there's just regular tracks so like Miami was technically a street circuit because it was in the Dolphins parking lot. But, like, if you look at uh, Azerbaijan or Monaco, those are literal street circuits. They're in their streets. But if you look at, like, uh, what did we do? I think Barcelona just happened or, like, the one in Austin. Like, those are literally just tracks. So it would be, like, yeah. But imagine like a like a I'm trying to think of like a cool urban environment. I have not. I'm not well traveled, so I don't know. But there's got to be the a cool is, urban environment. You would have to shut down going, too many places. Yeah, and it wouldn't work that's out. the problem. That's the problem. You you would never you would never be able to get the general public out of the way for it to be. Which is why we have beautiful big tree parks that no one touches that the cities own that end up being ba disc golf courses yeah and i mean it would be cool but i think it's something i'm really surprised that dynamic is the only one kind of doing these things like i assume discraft is going to hop on this idea here pretty quick as well maybe innova will do it i don't know but i mean they got to be turning a pretty good profit from doing doing something like this i think almost 600 people signed up Oh, shoot. No wonder we're not having the trilogy challenges here. They can get 90 bucks ahead. To... Yep, here we go. We still do not have all our initial inventory, so it's not 100% guaranteed that all of the early events will be approved. Please do not start your registration registration process with your customers until you have received an email from this email indicating your event has been approved. We should run a trilogy challenge. The official, it's official start... Sorry, the challenge schedule will officially start on June 4th. But I think it used to be oh, early. By now I feel like it used to be them, May. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It says we recommend hosting your event later in the season. Yeah, so they're just a little delayed. Yeah. Well, you know, I did want to get into something hot and spicy. But honestly, I'm going to let a little bit more time pass and then I'll get into it. I know we've got another awesome interview next week. So we're not going to do it on this one. But uh, just know it's an FPO debate. So say, it, let me get a sneak preview. Pretty much. Uh, nope. Page nope. Pierce. Oh. Are we talking okay. about it? Uh, nah. Nah. It, Page Pierce. FPO. Who knows what it is? You'll have to make sure you subscribe so you find out in one of the next episodes. It's good. I literally I had I have like three tabs open ready to go on this, but you know we just simply ran out of time because we were having too much fun talking about other things. So yeah, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode. Hopefully you guys you did enjoy. Make sure you are subscribed to us on YouTube, Apple Cop. 
Apple Cub Pass, excuse me, Apple Podcast, Spotify, those five-star ratings and reviews are really, really helpful. The reviews are awesome. You guys sending me messages over on Instagram is super helpful, you know, letting us know what do you guys want to see, what do you guys enjoy, those kinds of things. Make sure you check us out on Patreon as that does help us pay the bills and allow us to upgrade our equipment. So if you want to continue to see our operation grow, that is very critical. And we think we actually are providing some value. Unlike some other folk in the space, we believe we can actually provide some value to you. And it's not just a cash grab because we are never going to be a cash grab. We want to anything that we are asking money for. We want to make sure we put out a great product for you guys because we do care about you guys. And we never want you to feel as though you're being ripped off on anything that we do. So definitely appreciate all of you guys that are tapping in week in and week out. What, what do you got, Trenton? I was just going to say, and anyone who's still listening right now, you guys are the ones we're talking to for this Patreon thing. You guys are the real supporters. We really appreciate you guys. And I wanted to just let you know, if you haven't checked it out, we do have the value that my man is talking about. Um, you get, well, you'll have to check it out. But the main thing I wanted to, wanted to, put up here is we are going to be adding once we have a few um it's eagle club so mid-level and higher level supporters we're going to be adding an extra podcast to the schedule and it's going to be we're calling it the round table podcast i mean that's what we uh, rough you know the name might change we're calling it a round table um we want to do it monthly if we only do it once a quarter depending on who signs up Basically, highest level, we get a roundtable podcast with all of those supporters, and we just dis- we do what we're doing right now. We we talk about things we're working on. We talk about different ways to improve, and then even the mid level, you can get on that podcast quarterly, so once every three months, if you are interested. And if we get some mid level supporters, and we do one, and then every other month we do, or every couple months we have another one. We would love to hear from you. Love to talk with you. That's the point of that. It's some of the value we're adding. There's way more value than just that. But if you want to get on the podcast and you want to chat and have a good time with Quentin and I, and who knows, we might even be able to sign up some guests when for those every once in a while. That is true. The point, the, the goal is once there's enough folk who regularly come through, we're also then going to get pros to join us as well. Uh, link in the description below for that. Like I said, it, it does help us pay the bills and upgrade our equipment, which is important, so we can continue to put out a better product. Right, and we have zero right now, and I know, I know you. Yeah, I'm talking to you right there. I know you want to be the first one, so get in there and check it out. I will personally send someone, whoever is first. I will pick out a disc in my collection, and I will send it to you. So will I? You'll get and two I, discs. I will. I will make sure it's not a trash disc. It'll actually be a disc that you could maybe use. It won't be like the Polecat because the Polecat sucks. I don't care what anyone says. The Polecat sucks. That's not my hot take, but the Polecat sucks. It's it's so bad. But that's going to end this episode. We've gone on long enough for an outro. You guys are awesome. You're the reason we get to do what we do every week. We love doing this. We want to do this full time. Thank you guys for all your support and for listening. We'll see you guys next week with another awesome interview.